Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Future is Bilingual podcast. Heather here. I'm very excited for you to hear my interview with Marissa. She's a polyglot who's also relearning her native language. We had a really fun and really honest conversation about what it's like learning languages on your own versus in school. How can we practice our languages more? How do we make them part of our everyday routine? And how do we maintain multiple languages? We also dive deep into what is a heritage language and who is considered a heritage language speaker. You want to stick around to the end because Marissa gives us a really great language learning tip and she also t- teaches us her favorite Catalan expression. I first heard Marissa speak at Women in Language last year, which was held in the fall because of COVID. And I just want to make a shameless plug that Women in Language is happening again this year in March during its normal springtime, uh, early March, March 4th to March 7th. And you can get your tickets now. I have a link in my bio if you'd like to get them through my affiliate link. I am a speaker this year, so I'm very excited to be part of this amazing group of women, non-binary, and trans people. So Women in Language is for everybody. It's for all people to watch. It just is there to amplify the voices, like I said, of women, trans, and non-binary people. So please consider joining us. And without further ado, here's my conversation with Marissa. Hi, Marissa, and welcome to the Future is Bilingual podcast. Hi, Heather. Thanks for having me. I am so, so, so excited to be here. Yes, it is such a pleasure and an honor to have you. I've been following Marissa for I don't know how long. I don't remember if I found you at the Women in Language or if I was following you before then, but you gave a really awesome talk at Women in Language conference last year, and it's a very nice friendship that we've created since, so... Yeah, it's been really exciting for me too to watch somebody on the other end of a childhood kind of similar but kind of inversed for mine. So it's mm-hmm. been a joy to get the the behind the scenes of, of raising multilingual kids chez toi. Like it's been really, really, really enjoyable on my end too. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that is what we're here to talk about. So tell us a little bit about yourself. So um, I'm Marissa. I'm Polish-American. I grew up speaking both Polish and English at home, but one of the things that people are raising multilingual kids they might be aware of is that it's extremely hard to really raise kids with competency in in two or more languages. So Mm -hmm. as time went on, as I got older, my Polish started to fade. Uh, and it really, the kind of death blows to my, my childhood bilingualism were in Spanish classes in public schools. I was, <laughs> I went in so excited thinking I would be, I would speak a third language and it was just, this would be this normal part of my life, like Polish. And I was super disappointed to find out that I wouldn't actually be able to speak Spanish after a few years and went the earlier parts of my adult life thinking that languages just weren't for me, but now, I, that's usually my, my about languages pitch. Yeah, I think um, so many people can relate because 90% of people I meet will say like, oh, I'm just not good at languages. Wow, you must just, you know, be yes. good at languages. That's such a common, I don't want to yes. say misconception, but a common thought, a common mindset that people have about languages. Yes, it's it's really it's very mystical, like how somebody would learn a language if you've gone through schools, Mm -hmm. the idea of transferring these tablets and these word lists into something as living as a language, like it must require magic. I I, I still think it does, but, uh, but yeah, I, I just, 
it, I think it's, it's a really hard connection for most people to make. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. And it's something that a lot of people struggle with if you've only done languages in the traditional school setting, um, which we've both, you know, I did not become fluent during middle and high school either. Really? Um, <laughs> you no. didn't just suddenly in sixth grade learn to speak French? Weird. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know many people that could say that they they did. What grade did you start doing Spanish? Sixth grade, like the typical? Yeah, American. yeah, typical. <laughs> yes, exactly. We had, a, we had a little dabble in fifth grade where we got to do a week of Spanish and a week of French. And I remember wanting to do both so desperately. Uh, <laughs> but then in sixth grade, I had to choose. So I, I chose Spanish mm-hmm. and... Uh, that's that. so funny because we did the same thing, but uh-huh. it was in sixth grade. And I think we had a full semester. Like we had half a year in French, half a year in Spanish. And I, I chose French, but I wanted to do both in high school. And my parents were like, no, you don't speak French well enough. And you're going to get confused. Oh, so, <laughs> oh no. So it's, yeah. We had a similar like desire to just learn all the languages. Yeah. And it's but and- people tell you like, you can't do that. Like People tell me as an adult, as an adult, and you know, we'll, we'll get into this. I'm sure I, I study multiple languages at once. It's my favorite way to study. Mm -hmm. And people regularly tell me that that's impossible. Like, oh, sorry, I didn't know. (laughs) Like, (laughs) thanks for letting me know this wasn't working the the past couple of years. Thanks for telling me what works for me. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And, and, you know, I, I think that that desire to learn another language when you're a kid, I think that's real for a lot of kids, but Mm -hmm you know, going forward in, in high school, I dropped to Spanish and in university, I was lucky enough uh, to go to a university where Polish was o- offered, bombed out of it. Uh, and it was just, uh, that was it for me. <laughs> I was like, okay, no more languages. That's, it's over. I tried. Mm-hmm. I gave it my all. Um, and, and, and here we are. <laughs> somehow, somehow I made it. Mm-hmm. So what are the languages you speak today? So now I would say I, I'm, more or less bilingual in English and Spanish. I would say very mm-hmm. close to balanced bilingual, um, which I'm really proud of. And then I'm also fluent in French, um, on a good day, fluent in Catalan. Mm-hmm. And I also uh, speak uh, some some conversational kind of get through Portuguese. I'm, I'm dabbling in German and I'm most excitedly relearning Polish. So mm-hmm. yes, bunch, a good handful of fun languages. Yeah. And, you know, the first couple are similar. Um, I'm actually wondering, because I've never studied Catalan, but how close I've heard a lot of rumors or things about Catalan being a mix of French and Spanish. Is that true? Oh, come hang out with Catalan one day. It's great. (laughs) It has, if you know French and Spanish, Mm -hmm. it's when you get to know Catalan, it's like discovering a triplet you didn't know existed. It's not so much that it's a a mix of Spanish and French, because Spanish and French are, are very even being romance languages have their mm-hmm. own distinct personalities and things they do and preferences. And Catalan is just as bold and as distinct. Mm-hmm. But when you study all three of them, it's it's really fun to get to know the similarities and differences. It's it's a real joy to learn. I love how you speak of them like triplets, like, oh, these are children. You know, <laughs> yes. they look similar, but then they have their own personality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I I increasingly feel like languages are just these living organisms and it's they're a pleasure to know and and their mm-hmm. their speakers are a pleasure to know uh and that's definitely how I feel about those three Portuguese as well I'm not as as good in Portuguese as I am at the other ones uh but those three particularly hold a very big place in my heart yeah I think that's a really nice 
metaphor and I do I feel like you can you start to get to know a language and kind of like you start to get to know a person and then if you've you know you the more you get to speak it and read in it and Mm -hmm. learn about the culture it's like learning you know having a best friend that you're you know a lot about and there's (laughs) always something new yes yes and there's always something new you have that weird like late night 1 a.m parking lot conversation with your friend and they're telling you all these things that nobody knows about them and and that's really what it's like when you get to these advanced levels of these languages is you find all these little nooks and crannies of history and older versions and and all the stories like all if you read you can read all of these personal accounts and fiction and nonfiction. I know you're big on reading, so oh, it's endless. It's endless. <laughs> yeah, it's just I love it. I love it. But you're so right. It gets there's it, there's never an end. You can always learn more. Yeah. Just like with a person, you know, we don't know yeah. each other perfectly. Even even people we've grown up with, even people we're married to for sixty years, oh, there's yeah. parts we of don't them even, that they don't. They're not going to tell you. Really mm-hmm. know ourselves, right? Like, I mean, this is one of my favorite parts that. Uh, I didn't get until I got too far into language learning. People were like, oh, you don't know your your native language until you've learned another language. Like, yes, that's true. It's it's absolutely true. My relationship with English is is now totally different. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I feel like I learned so much about English grammar by studying French grammar yeah. in school and then Spanish grammar. And it just makes you question everything that you took for granted. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I've also taught ESL. So that was a whole nother trip of like oh my god mm. what are all these words so I knew French grammar because I yeah. you know learned it in school and we know about uh you know les participes passé and all these complicated yeah. <laughs> grammatical structures and words and then people would ask me in, in English like well what's the present progressive and I'm like uh, <laughs> uh the, past, yes. the past perfect I'm like wait 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 give me an example <laughs> who who's that yes yes yeah yeah it's a uh, it's a it's a trip but it's a really fun one mm-hmm so how did you start? Like you, you said, you know, you tried Polish, it didn't work. High school didn't work. So what, what worked? What did you eventually do? <laughs> yeah. So I went, when I was 27, I went through a really, really rough period in my life. A bunch of things happened at once. And basically I was suddenly faced with this moment of what do I do with the rest of my life? Where do I live? Um, I was going to be out of my apartment in a few weeks suddenly. What do I want my life to look like? Who is going to be in my life? What kind of vision do I have for myself as I get older? And in all of these really big questions, I realized, okay, there's, you know what, this is, I just need some time to think. I need to step away from my day to day. I'm going to travel. And what would be, well, how can I do that? How can I afford to travel? Oh, well, mm-hmm. Latin America is pretty cheap. Oh, but I don't know Spanish okay, well, you know what? I'm not dumb. I can do plenty of things. So if I give it my all, if I go to Mexico, I move myself to Mexico and I I spend two or three years of studying every single day, I will eventually, yes, well, I, well, I have failed. I took me years. I spent years of Spanish, but if I, if I do, you know, three, four, five, six hours a day in immersion in Mexico, and, I mean, two, I meant two it, years, like you're going to change your life. Like you were really, well, turns out, <laughs> turns out I thought it was going to take that long because that's the frame that we had been given in school and oh. it took me about three months. So, <laughs> so that was a, a really exciting discovery <laughs> is that you can yeah. just do it. You can just learn a language. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, it all kind of, it just cascaded. I wanted to learn French because that was the only, yeah, outside of Polish, the only other language I'd had some 
it was Quebec is very close to where I live. I had had some contact with it in public schools. I have a close friend who's French Canadian living in New England. So mm -hmm. after that was French, after that it was a couple of romance languages at the same time. After that, it was a couple of dabbles and other things. Uh, but what an amazing discovery to, to suddenly find out this, this absolutely impossible thing was actually very doable. <laughs> mm -hmm. So did you only end up staying three months in Mexico? No, I ended up staying in Mexico. Actually, just up until COVID, it ended up being about three years. Huh. And I would leave, come back to the U.S. to work, go back to Mexico, go on vacation to Canada, go back to Mexico, uh, head over to Europe, go back to Mexico, and just kind of <laughs> flittered around for a bit. Uh, but I, I ended up staying in Mexico for the majority of that time. And yeah. that ended up being a really good decision because I was able to really take my Spanish to a, an, an extraordinary level in that time. Um, yeah, that's amazing. What yeah. part of Mexico were you in? Uh, I traveled around the center for a little bit, but I ended up <laughs> staying in the Yucatan, which is uh, I, still my favorite place in the world. I didn't want to leave. Um, I had to make that decision and it was fine. Uh, but I hope to be able to move back there once the world is a bit more sane. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So Marissa, how do you keep up with languages and how has your learning changed since the pandemic? Because it's been almost, well, a little bit less than a year. So we're all kind yeah. of used to it, kind of not still. Yeah, yeah. So I think the bigger, yeah. So let, let's start with, in balancing all these languages because mm -hmm. that was a shock one of my actually my, my catalan teacher at some point said i was like i want to learn this i want to learn this i want to learn this and she just looked me dead in the eyes and was like learning a language is easy maintaining a language is hard and i was like no 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 i don't want i don't want to hear that answer yeah. uh and she was right uh maintaining <laughs> a language is, is quite different but after a few months and a few different trials and errors of trying to maintain my romance languages while heading over to non-romance languages. A great interview that I saw, I don't remember who it was with, it was with a Louisiana French media company, it was in French, mm -hmm. and they were, you know, they're talking about Francophone life in Louisiana, and the interviewee said, well, you can just choose to live in French, you don't, there's no law saying you have to speak English anymore, those are old laws, we we think that, okay, we live in the US, we have to read the paper in American English, mm. we, you know, we watch Netflix in English, but no, those are all choices you can make. And yeah, I think that might be obvious to some people, but to me, it was this moment of, you know, he was, he was even saying, go find French speaking friends, go out to the bar with them, make, mm -hmm. just say ça va to everybody you meet and somebody <laughs> will respond, ça va, and you'll right. have made a friend. And just that mentality to me was, of course, I don't have to, in, I don't have to reasonably live in English. Yeah. And so whenever I'm given the opportunity with my neighbors, with online friends, with now increasingly my family, with coworkers, I will just start the conversations in a language that I hope they might speak. <laughs> and, if they, <laughs> and if they don't, then okay, we'll switch to English. And that's just a decision that you can make. So mm -hmm. that's been a, a really lovely addition to my life. Even in Mexico, I was, I wasn't studying Spanish my last couple of months there. I, I was uh, getting pretty far into Catalan and I just decided that I was going to do Catalan stuff. And I just, you know, mm -hmm. listened to the news in Catalan, watched movies in Catalan, was, was reading 
uh, books in Catalan and, and I could just make that decision. So that's definitely been the, the big maintenance trick for me has mm-hmm. been trying to live in a multilingual life. Yeah, and no, then, that's such a good point. Cause yeah. we do, we make choices all the time of music, oh, yeah. radio, books, you know, newspaper, like you're saying, just anything you're consuming, social yeah. media, websites, there's so many choices that we make every day. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we can choose to, to ingest these things in different languages, depending on what we're trying to, to work on or maintain. So I think that's Absolutely. a really good point. Absolutely. And there's and everything's so- at our fingertips, you know, it's not like, <laughs> absolutely, we can easily yeah. get what we want. And we can easily meet the people that we want to. I think if you live in a large metropolitan area, there are speakers of your target language. It's a question of finding them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I I now <laughs> will really quite quite casually enter conversations like, hey, tal? like, let's see if this person speaks Spanish or not. Like whether or not, you know, I think they will. Mm-hmm. I can just walk into any conversation with any person that looks any way and find out. Uh, and, and that to me was, I think another big thing is that it doesn't have to just be in my little bubble. I can see if I can grow my bubble and join somebody else's bubble and, Mm -hmm. and interact in, in a real life without English and and get pretty, pretty far, unless somebody's very confused looking, in which case it's easy to switch. Yeah. And are you more outgoing, would you say, or are you generally more introverted? Because that seems like a very Um, outgoing thing to do. Just walk up to people and say, keep that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm. I would say a pretty severe introvert, but I'm also crazy. So <laughs> I just don't, I'm not, I'm not worried. Uh, if I have to go have a social interaction with somebody, it'd be much more fun for them to be like, oh no, follow Espanol. <laughs> like, let's yeah, yeah. switch to Portuguese. <laughs> like, let's do it. Um, that's a much more meaningful interaction to me. It's going to help me get through my, my errands or job interviews or whatever <laughs> in a, in a mm-hmm. more fun way. So, so I'm definitely uh, an introvert, but I do think that kind of boldness is very exhilarating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked about that before, how like having that uh, fear factor that something is a little bit scary, but it can, I don't know, then once you've accomplished it, you have such a good feeling that like, wow, you know, I was afraid to do this thing and now I've done it. Cause I, hearing you say that, I'm like kind of afraid, like, I don't know if I could go up to random strangers and speak Spanish to them, but why not? They're, they're not even going <laughs> to blink. They're either, if, they, if they're confused, they'll blink. If, they're, if they speak Spanish, they'll just respond. <laughs> yeah. And often um, I'll hear people at the grocery store, you know, sometimes you hear workers speaking to them themselves in Spanish and why not just go up to them and say, hey, get that. Yeah. And it's, and I feel like there's a certain, I don't know, it, it you step out as in the US, especially you really step out of the mainstream small talk narrative. And that's kind of why I think I'm an introvert is that stuff exhausts me. Uh, But then to step away from that and into a more deliberate conversation, that's, that's why I want to speak to somebody. I want to speak to somebody, even if it's a small exchange to, to connect, not just to, to get something done. Uh, Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, it's been a huge difference. There's usually, it's just an interaction, like, yeah. You know, and sometimes it's all it's going to be. Yeah. yeah, sometimes it's all going to be. It's, it's fine. Uh, but every once in a while, there'll be there'll be something much cooler than that. And that's what I look forward to. It's really cool. And how has your language learning changed since this all began? Ooh. <laughs> so uh, I am one of, I'm an, I'm an unlucky, lucky person. I'm unlucky in that I have my own business uh, working in event entertainment, which I love so much. Never wanted to leave. Looking mm-hmm. forward to getting back to. 
Um, but of course, what can we not do right now? We cannot have big parties. <laughs> so that's my specialty. My specialty is corporate events. So, um, but I'm lucky in that this has given me uh, a space and I've, you know, been lucky enough to have a, a financial cushion in order to do this. It's given me a space to just say, what do I want to do right now? If I'm going to take this year of my life, what is the most meaningful and important thing that I can do with this little gift of time? And a big part of that, not all, but a big part of that has been diving deeper into language learning, not the languages themselves, but my own process, my own preferences, mm -hmm. creating materials for other people, blogging, documenting my journey. Uh, and so language learning went from this hobby I had outside of work and a very social part of my life and a kind of, you know, sleepy 10 p.m. Netflix hangout by myself <laughs> with my dogs. Uh, it went from that to a much larger space in my in my day and in my year. Um, and so part of the thing I try to be clear about online is that part of the reason I can study I'll actively study a little bit of you know half a dozen languages every single day is because I, I do have all this time right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm so 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 grateful for that. But honestly that's the only thing is it's just the amount of time before I was doing some studying, some chatting, a lot of flashcards, a lot of immersion. And that's still what I'm doing now. It's just, it, I, I can dedicate more time to it mm -hmm. this year. And, and hopefully in a few months, uh, that'll be, sh I'll be shifting away from that sadly, but happily. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, it's, yeah, been it's a, bittersweet. <laughs> yeah. It's, <laughs> yes. I'm really looking forward to it and also a little nervous, uh, but it's been a year where I could decide what I wanted to do, not because of any lockdown pressure. I should be productive. I should manage this time, but mm -hmm. what, what will really fulfill me? Um, and I was not too surprised to find out the answer was learning my heritage language. Mm -hmm. And I, before we talk about your heritage language, I'm just wondering, um, how, what was it like when you first started studying? Was German before Polish? Like, yes. What was it like to go away from the romance languages? So, so... <laughs> Uh, surprise, I, I haven't really talked about this German dabble that I'm doing publicly. Mm -hmm. It's something that I'm doing really on the side with my brother, uh, who's on top of being my brother's good friend of mine. And he, for his job, needed some German for work. And mm -hmm. within the first few weeks of lockdown, he said, you know, let's, let's just do some German. Like, this will be fun. Like, we can do it together. And I was like, yeah, sure. And this was back when we thought it was going to be three weeks. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, yeah, a little, little forte into to yeah. German, like a little uh, sidestep into German. Yeah, that sounds fun. Um, so we've been slowly picking at German around his crazy, crazy work schedule. Uh, and stepping away from romance languages to German was not a big shift. Uh, English being this weird little hybrid of mm -hmm. many languages, uh, it was fun to explore the other side of English and the process felt very similar. It was so cool to see English in this new light and then Europe in this new light, uh, to find those connections, to have to rethink. Mm -hmm. uh, but the difference between you know, in my very limited experience, the difference between Germanic languages and Romantic languages isn't that big of a gulf. So <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm <laughs> glad I did that before Polish. Uh, but it was a, it's, it's been a fun little double that, you know, mm -hmm. I'm, not, I'm not talking too much because I don't want to put pressure on me or my brother to do anything publicly with it or mm -hmm. to make content about it. 
but it's been, it's been fun for the two of us to do together too. Well, that's how a dabble should be just for fun. Yeah, yeah it's just for fun. No content, no Instagram, just yeah. us and some free language learning apps and a big cup of coffee. <laughs> well, that's so fun. I wish my sister would come at me with <laughs> well, desire to learn language. Jo join a random family, <laughs> learn some German with us. We're having a lot of fun over here. That's so cool. And so what about Polish? Tell us all about your heritage language, mm. your project, how uh. that's going. What a what a fun and weird time it's been. Um, so, you know, once this period settled of oh maybe it's going to be more than three weeks, it was okay. Well, well, how long is it going to be? Mm -hmm. And there's no one in sight. So I think it was around the beginning of June, which would have been what through two three months into quarantine. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we realized that we weren't going back to normal anytime soon. And I had uh, a friend of mine who's a little bit older and her father's a little bit older as well. Uh, her father died from COVID. And it was a moment of, oh, okay. Like this is a thing that's near, physically near where I am. You know, I was very cautious. I'm still super quarantined. I'm not seeing anybody. I have no quarantine bubble. I'm not even going to the grocery store. Mm -hmm. Just to help out, you know, just take a little bit of social load off everybody else. I'm fine with that. And I was acting like that, but it was this moment of, oh, okay, this is this is now where I live. Like this is in my life. So, mm -hmm. what I want to do with this? What do I want to do? This gift of time. How do I want to react to this international crisis? What is my professional life going to be? Uh, who am I? All of these questions when you're sitting in your <laughs> tiny, tiny apartment with your roommates, <laughs> uh, wondering, just sit, sitting all around, thinking to yourselves. Uh, one of the things that I, I knew I was going to do eventually, but I was just like, I have to do this now, was get back to Polish. I had uh, put it off since the beginning of language learning for mm -hmm. so many reasons, largely because I knew how emotional and weird it would be. Mm -hmm. uh, and I figured, you know, everybody says Polish is so hard. Okay, well, why not? <laughs> yeah, that doesn't help. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't help, but then why not, you know, get my flow with these other languages, which then turned into procrastination. Like, okay, I learned Spanish, maybe I could learn Polish or French. Okay, uh -huh. cool. Spanish and French. I just found out this, this language called Catalan exists like yeah. three days ago. Let's go get a C1 in Catalan. <laughs> like, really? German? Whatever. That wasn't on my list. Let's go. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was a lot of that for a few years. Uh, and then it was in June with that, with that death of a, a friend's father, with conversations I was having with other people, mm -hmm. I realized, okay, like this is, this is time I want to not only relearn my first language, but I want to do it in a big and public way. I want to document it. I want to study this weird thing called heritage languages. I want to meet other people. And I want to tackle this with my whole self and not just relearn it, get it over with, you know, how long does this going to take? Mm -hmm. Study, 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 but make a whole big project about it um, mm -hmm. and focus on the process it's not like the end goal was your it's not the point was not the end the point was kind of like you wanted to document the process and you can tell us about how you did that or can arguing you imagine that. if if people were just focused if, if poly got just focused on the end goal that just sounds so <laughs> miserable to me like yeah. you know i know with you raising bilingual kids can you just imagine like okay i gotta get these kids 18 out the door with polish let's go like no that's yeah. not the point yeah <laughs> just dragging my feet <laughs> just 18 years just okay. 17 more years and a lot no of big grammar. Deal. let's go no big deal. yeah 
no, no, no. It's, it's about the process. And uh, I think also demystifying it and, <laughs> and making it a little less taboo. I, I imagine this is 5 billion times harder uh, for children of immigrants who are not European in the U.S. Right. Uh, and I felt shame, like, good Lord, there must be way more shame for everybody else. So, all right. This I'm is such a good point. Team. You know, that is such a good point because um, I felt this way as well. Like my husband, he's Polish and he passes for like American yeah. because he doesn't look ethnic. You know, he doesn't have dark yes. skin or anything, you know, features. He's not, doesn't have Asian features, all these yeah. things that people judge us on. And yeah. it's just in so many ways that things are messed up in that sense, because well, it's messed up that people will tell him all sorts of like racist things. And he's like, yo, I'm, you know, before he was even a citizen, he's like, uh, people would tell him all sorts of things about immigrants. And he was like, um, Um, actually, yeah. (laughs) And just, you should say, and the fact that, you know, on the other side, people who don't look how people think an American should look, but they're more American, (laughs) you know, they were born here and their whole family is from here. There's, there's, yeah, there's a lot to that. Yes, exactly. And then, and it felt and it's interesting what you say about your husband because you know I'm not sure about his experiences, but my experiences growing up in the U.S. like I remember hearing Polish jokes. I remember real aggression toward Russians, but having Russian friends who culturally were so similar to me. Um, mm-hmm. I remember that whole barely post Cold War moment of very much not feeling American, feeling very kind of at the time people would say Eastern European, and now I'll say Slavic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not really wanting to integrate in the U.S. in certain ways. Um, obviously, in, in certain ways I have, and I'm happy that I have, and I, I've gotten a lot of great stuff out of growing up in the U.S., but I'm not interested in melting into the pot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want, to, I want to, to love other cultures and my culture and and elevate my friends' cultures. And that was part of this, this very public project of, of coming clean, uh, because I was also something that I was very much hiding from other people. It's like, oh yeah, 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 you know, I can kind of speak Polish, I can understand it. Like when I'm there, I can speak it. Uh, and every time it was just so nerve wracking, it was time to just say, you know, okay, no. It's a mess, I'm a mess, but, it, well, but there's a lot of messes actually. <laughs> Here's some data to show how many of us hot messes there are in the US. So right. I'm not gonna feel bad about it anymore. You're gonna, I'm gonna it. do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and ever since doing that, you know, people are come out of the woodwork and they're like, oh, that's what that's called. Like my right. grandma should have taught me Swedish, but she was afraid. Like there's all these little stories that people have that they've just like hidden away and and yeah. so, being the you know one what? tell us tell us what a heritage learner is because people <clears throat> may have heard it maybe not yeah. I know in American schools well because I'm a French and Spanish teacher I've heard of heritage language mm-hmm. classes for yeah. kids who know some Spanish but they didn't like learn how to read and write and they didn't yeah. learn grammar but I think mm, the majority of Americans maybe don't know what this is yeah probably our listeners too do know what it means but if you can yeah. just <laughs> tell us yeah, quickly. yeah yeah let's let's do a burn thing so there's generally what there's kind of two theories or three theories there's a lot of theories as to what this word means right Mm -hmm. they're linguists so of course we all have to find out what a word means uh the the most classic but most narrow definition is somebody who speaks their family's language at home with their family 
can have a conversation, can get through, can, you know, go back to the country if there is a country who they can, you know, have a family dinner, it's fine, speak their language, but who are raised in a majority language. Mm-hmm. In the U.S., this is the most classic example are, are uh, Spanish-speaking kids who grow up speaking Spanish at home, go to U.S. schools, have a, you know, perfect, almost perfect command of English, maybe, um, and uh, not so perfect command of Spanish. So mm-hmm. it's almost narrow definition. Uh, the typically accepted wider definition is what my brother and I are, which is some to know abilities in the language. My brother can understand bits and pieces, get the general gist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, for a while, could speak it. None of us other learned to read or write. And so we would, in a lot of cases, be excluded from heritage language classrooms because that typical model is is designed for the kids to come in with some ability. And if I were entering a heritage language classroom as uh, like I did when I was 18 in university, I wouldn't have been able to keep up. So mm-hmm. that's generally the, the more broad definition of somebody who has this language in their life some way, but doesn't have much practical ability. And then there are also two much broader definitions, which I personally want to include in this conversation, mm-hmm. which are people who have no immediate contact with the language, uh, but believe it is their heritage language. So one group, uh, it very typically in the U.S. would be uh, Indigenous Americans. Mm-hmm. The chain of transmission of their language might have been broken, so they may have never heard it in their life before, but they still participate in cultural activities, they're still part of that original community, they're still on the original land, Mm -hmm. but they have no immediate linguistic connection to the language. And then the the last and widest group would be people who have no immediate linguistic connection, but also no immediate cultural connection. Mm -hmm. So somebody whose family emigrated three, four generations over, and they very much melted potted into the majority culture but who want to reclaim that. And the reason I want to fight for those uh, those groups to also be included in this conversation, although I think it's a very hot topic, <laughs> is because I, I think the spirit of language learning is communication and sharing and mm-hmm. working together. And I think that when you include those two groups into the heritage language conversation, you're empowering them to learn another language. Yeah. Uh, if you, if you know, if, if somebody comes into, and I think this is very tempting in this specific context, if, you know, some girl comes bouncing into freshman year, I just got my DNA test and I'm 50% Italian, I'm gonna learn my heritage language. Like, it can be a little jarring to be like, uh, are you really Italian? But like, we don't need to be that negative. Like, we can just be like, okay, cool, you're gonna learn Italian. Like, yeah. you're gonna have to learn about Italian culture too. But if that's your thing that you're gonna do, like, go for it. I was just gonna say, my family, my mom's adopted, and we reached, well, recently, a few years back, did DNA tests and found out we had Irish blood, which we had no idea about. So, like, if I wanted to learn Irish, whatever, you know, if that's my motivation, I think that should yeah. be enough, you know? I think it, sh- I think it should be <laughs> enough. And I think especially by assigning that label, if you come in and say, okay, I want to learn this, this ancestral language, a heritage language, I'm Irish and I want to do it. I think that 
labeling you as a heritage language learner in a classroom that still uses second or foreign language techniques yeah. could be really exciting because it could also encourage you to really dig into that culture and okay so what is Irish like what does it mean to be Irish what is the the special situation of the language on the island where it's from what is that island's relationship to the other islands near it like mm -hmm. really dig into that history and, and and be part of something much bigger than yourself versus making it feel very distant and these irish people they're all the way over there we're not really in contact with them you're not really irish um so that's why i, I building I bridges to... rather than yes. like building walls yeah that's and that, I think that's in the spirit of language learning. So that's mm -hmm. why I always advocate for those two. But that is the long and spicy definition of, oh, I love it. of heritage language learning and, or users. Yeah, no, I, I really love that. And as a teacher, I just know it's so well, I don't want to use the word problematic, but it's so hard to plan a class that's going to be for heritage language you know, learners because Ooh. we don't know what they're coming in with. <laughs> we, we don't know what we're coming in with. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, like we don't know if they speak it every day at home or if yeah. they they lost contact with it after they entered school at five, you know? So I've never taught a heritage language learner class. I just had yeah. two speakers, two heritage speakers in a normal class. Mm -hmm. And they were so far beyond the regular Spanish two kids that they made those kids feel bad. Yes. And their accents were perfect and, you know, things like that. So it's, it's problem, it's not problematic, but it can be, it's definitely an interesting point because those two girls didn't really fit into my normal Spanish too of American kids that are learning, you know, second year Spanish, yeah. but there wasn't enough of them to make their own class. Um, so yeah, it's, it's tricky yeah. for sure. Yeah. And I didn't even know there were all those definitions. So thank you for enlightening yeah. us on that. Yeah, I'm reading, I'm reading all of the academic papers so nobody else has to. <laughs> I love it. That is your forte is doing all the, the work and then bringing us these wonderful presentations that are yeah, some, yeah, summed just... everything up and put it into categories and ways that we can understand. I really I love that about you. So I'm trying I'm trying my best and it's 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 a lot of fun, I'll say. Yeah, keep up the good work. <laughs> so you recently published the six month video, correct? Yes, just what? So it's been four six days months. ago, three days mm -hmm. ago. Yes, I just hit my six month marker with Polish. Yeah. Well, congratulations. That is a huge milestone. Thanks. Yeah, it feels uh, surreal for mm -hmm. sure. So tell us more about what's been going on these six months. What was your big, I know you had a big Ooh, project yes. around that time. <laughs> yes. So still kind of weird to think about that mm -hmm. I've gotten six months in, uh, you know, going my whole adult life having this weird relationship, but my first, and this is something I got from Kirsten Cable of the Fluent mm -hmm. Show. I adore her and she's really big into goal setting and goal setting with intentionality. And I just think her, her views on goals are fantastic. So I'll, I'll credit her with this, but I like to pick a lot of increasingly difficult goals while language learning. Um, mm -hmm. and always give myself something that's just just at hand something that i'm striving toward that feels really tangible uh and they you know after i reach that one get to the, the next one and so my first big goal in in polish was to surprise my grandparents and tell them that in polish i was learning polish mm -hmm. and i wanted to do it for christmas because i'm dumb and i'm optimistic and i'm energetic <laughs> and i'm type a and i was like okay i'm starting polish in july so i'll just do the math real quick and if i do x hours okay so like what how many hours i have to do a day how many flashcards does that bring down into between now and christmas mm -hmm. so um 
so I got, I got, I did it. I did it on, on Christmas. Uh, and then it trickled into New Year's day. And we got on Skype and we were hanging out with them, my brother and talking. And then my grandma was like, oh, it's so like, you know, we're all in English. Like, oh, what's new? And my brother's just like, there's this moment. Uh, if you, if the video's on YouTube, if anybody mm -hmm. wants to watch this, there's this moment of just pause where you can see my brother's eyes like move to me on the screen. Like I'm mm -hmm. waiting for him to say something in English and bail me out because I don't want to do this. Aww. He's waiting for me to be like, ah, oh, now shut up Like, yeah. Um, and and that was it. I spent so 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 much time and effort to get myself into a two in five months. Uh, to have that beginner, very easy conversation with my grandparents. Which was amazing. I was in tears <laughs> watching it. <laughs> it was, it was, it was weird. Wow. It was weird to. I think your grandma was actually shocked. Like she, the first time you said yeah, it, she, she like, she would, wasn't expecting to hear Polish from you. So she you know, was like, is, what? <laughs> this is, this is, this is now a, a futures bilingual exclusive after that first moment where like we hung up. And it was just her and she was just like staring at me like was crying it's like oh. i was like what is what was that like that was not what i expected like what is happening like called my brother back i was like what was that he's like it's fine it's fine like we were just all in in shock and i think that that's something that i've definitely tried to be really transparent about is that it's it's i keep saying weird it's a really a process where you don't really know what's going to happen you don't know what you're getting into and you're relearning one of these heritage languages emotionally Mm. never mind the grammar uh but yeah you can see you know later on when i am speaking with her and my grandfather that she has figured it out she has processed yeah. this she is here um, it almost worked out for the better that your uh, grandpa was busy that first day yeah <laughs> because then yeah. we have that second view of your grandma a few days later like okay. absolutely thank the uh new england weather gods for bursting a pipe at their house <laughs> uh, yeah yeah i feel like I, that's happened to me both senses where I wasn't expecting someone I think I was in France and I didn't expect them to speak English and like yeah. I couldn't understand them and they were like yes. that was English and Buffering. I was like oh I was trying to figure out French words that you were saying <laughs> yes. so I do think that probably happened to her uh, yeah so it's, it's really interesting so for for listeners who haven't seen this video it's there's a moment where I'm you know I'm recording this whole day and I'm going through and we finally get to this reveal where we're in Polish tell my grandmother I'm Polish and she's just like staring at me. <laughs> she's staring. And yeah, I think there was definitely a bit of of like trying to figure out what I was saying, but also imagine I had at that point gone uh, probably around 20 years without having a, a Polish conversation with her. Mm -hmm. And you know, the whole time, like her throwing in some Polish, like me, you know, being able to respond to her Polish, like it's fine, but you know, I'm an adult, <laughs> like we went my entire, all of my teenage years and all my adult years not being able to speak Polish. And so mm -hmm. I think there was on top of that linguistic, like, what is that? I think there's also, I felt it a lot, the few times we've talked since that video, a real relationship shift. And it's not what I was expecting. It's not like the relationship's better or something or mm -hmm. closer. It's just, it feels very different. And I, I think that that is one of the power, one of the, one of the powers of languages, they really shift dynamics. And especially in a family, I think how, and when we choose to live with various languages 
really affects the dynamic of and, and the composition and the the energy in that that group and that's the same for any mm-hmm. group of people but and but this is family, still especially. recent like I'm excited to see maybe in your one year video you know yeah. six months from that moment how yeah. that's evolved and I don't have the same experience but with my mother-in-law mm-hmm. when she first met me I didn't speak Polish um, mm-hmm. and I do now mm-hmm. so I do think it it just helps to build um, build a connection uh, just be ready because <laughs> I don't know if yeah. your grandma's already doing this but my mother-in-law just talks to me like I understand everything a mile a minute and I'm like whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I just look at my husband I'm like what did she just say wow yeah that's interesting I can understand Polish pretty much fine yeah. um, you have a different advantage <laughs> yeah and you, and you have a, your own advantage and this is what's so fun about language learning for people right is that mm-hmm. you know your advantage is it, ha- being able to speak Polish constantly I don't have that at all um but yeah I can just like eavesdrop on strangers like that's cool that's effortless been doing that since I was little um so yeah it's 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 a totally different process uh relearning versus learning which is so cool that heritage language speakers have that like I only have that in English because I Mm. grew up monolingual and it's it can be annoying like I remember traveling in Europe and not wanting to hear these tourists talking and I was like I can't not understand them I can't tune out the English um and you probably you just understand Polish that way. Like, it's just, you've always heard it, you know? Yeah. It's like a little, if I hear somebody speaking Polish in the background, it's also like a little, like, like a small siren going off. Like, wait a minute, who are you? What's going on? What are you talking about? Like, I have to know. Um, But I can still tune out Polish, like all these years of studying Mm -hmm. it and I can speak it, but like, if I'm tired or if I just don't, if I want to pay attention to something else, I can shift my focus and completely just turn it off and hear shh, 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 shh. Oh, it's like I can't so I can't turn it off in English yeah yeah I that's so interesting yeah I feel like that with Spanish and French actually I never thought about that but I feel like that with Spanish and French which are mm-hmm. uh, my strongest languages is you know I have plenty living in a city there's you know a billion and one Spanish speakers around me I don't have to listen to the conversations like I'm just not interested in mm-hmm. you know the day-to-day trivialities of many conversations happening outside my window and I don't have to but when they're in, in English and Polish, you're right. It's just, okay, what is going on? Yeah. <laughs> Why are you talking so loudly? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting. So yeah, we definitely uh, want to suggest that people should go and check out Marissa's YouTube. What is, and your, your website, what are they called? Yeah. So um, the YouTube and the website are relearnalanguage.com website and relearn a language on YouTube. And they both really focus on I would say the most public and helpful stuff I can do, anything I put on my website or on the YouTube channel, the goal is to make it helpful for somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, I know we met on Instagram. My Instagram is just, it's just personal. It's mostly just me laughing at myself <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and posting pictures of books I'm reading. Uh, but uh, relearnalanguage.com and, and relearnalanguage on Instagram has the, the good helpful stuff. Mm-hmm. It's great to know. And before we we and uh, we've had such a good conversation I could just keep talking to you for <laughs> two more hours but it's getting late um do you have any favorite resources or just tips if people are maybe just starting a new language or starting mm-hmm. to learn languages or they are a heritage mm-hmm. language speaker and they want to learn their heritage language you know get more proficient or start it from scratch yeah. just like your favorite resources tips or even if you just want to point us 
because I know you have lots of resources on your webpage. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say I think my biggest, most exciting thing that I tell everybody is to plug into the language learning community. Mm -hmm. It's not a language learning tip in itself, uh, but I cannot tell you how fast and hard I would have given up with this nonsense hobby of ours. Who the hell was like, I want to look at flashcards all day. Let's do reading, but make it hard. Like, no, this is a terrible <laughs> hobby. I hate it here, but, but I go find other people because I just, anything I could say right now about learning languages itself and tips and tricks, and there's, you know, there's always a hack in a special way. Mm -hmm. Somebody's thought of it before and, and they're out there somewhere on, on Reddit or on TikTok, <laughs> like dropping mm -hmm. hints left and right. And I just, I feel like you can just endlessly swim in cool conversations with people who have been where you're at or who are looking to you for inspiration mm -hmm. or who would love to recommend you a podcast or who would love to do a language exchange with you. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that I'll forget the, the learning stuff, but surrounding yourself with other people who also have a same really ambitious goal like you do mm -hmm. has just been everything for me. And so you know, if, if, especially with heritage language learners, I think that like, let's just start finding each other. <laughs> There's mm -hmm. not a real community online yet. I'd love to change that one day in the future. Right now, I don't really know how, but mm -hmm. I'll, hopefully I'll do that one day. And like, let's just, let's find each other. Let's talk about this weird emotional stuff. Let's, mm -hmm. you know, talk about people who are, who are like you raising multilingual kids. Let's find out what the polyglots are up to. <laughs> like, right. let's just all work this out together and be able to make it a really joyful long-term part of our lives and not just okay how many how much longer is it going to be till I mm -hmm. get fluent no I think that is a tip and I think that is a resource to surround yourself with like-minded people that mm. will will support you in those moments when you need some support and that will motivate you and that are going to show you different hacks and you know or people that are sharing funny memes when you just need to laugh about <laughs> the ridiculousness of what we're doing like you said we're, we're just reading in hard languages that we don't speak <laughs> yes yes like most people are just like oh i have you know i i have to read this non-fiction book for work i guess and i'm like i will read it in french like yep. 10 times harder i'm gonna have to look up every three words and put them in flashcards like yes <laughs> i need i need a lot of friends to help me through this oh yeah no my uh, mom friends are like oh i haven't read a book since my kids are born and i'm like oh i'm trying to read one in my <laughs> target language yeah 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 why? or just make why why i don't i i wish i had an answer humans are so weird we're the weird oh, polyglots are even weirder yeah. Uh, and we just like making it hard for ourselves. So yeah, find, find people. There's great hashtags. There's great subreddits. There's great channels to follow on YouTube. It's just, once you stumble into a few people, you'll find the rest. Exactly. Uh, and That's it's, a good it's point. the best over here. Mm -hmm. And what keeps you motivated? What keeps you motivated to keep up your languages, to learn these new languages? Other people. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that really every single day doing stuff with my in my languages is, is because I've made really important friendships uh, language learning with other people from whatever country uh, mm -hmm. but who have similar goals and our thing that we 
we love to talk about together as languages, but then also friendships with, with, I have, I have monolingual friends who do not speak English. So mm-hmm. I, I, I have to, if I don't keep up with my French, I'm going to lose my friends. Like, and that is not going to be anybody's fault but mine. And, mm-hmm. you know, with Polish, the same thing. It's okay. Like now what's next for, for me and my grandparents? What is, what does this mean? Like, what will this mean going forward? I have to figure that out. And, you know, my brother and his German, like <laughs> I'm just dabbling, but it's really important to him that he keeps going. So mm-hmm. how can I support him? And I think that those real connections, it's like, you know, if a friend is really, a friend's relying on you for something, no matter how big or small that thing is, it's going to be very important and you're going to want to do it. And, and you're going to want to spend time with that friend doing it. And, and that's really what it feels like to me is it's so not even about the languages in many ways anymore. It's about uh, connecting with other people and, and just living a, a really rich life with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You need these languages. They're part of your life. Yeah, there's there's not even a question anymore. I, if I, it, it really is to the point where if I lose some of these languages, I will lose people I really care about because we will not be able to speak. Mm-hmm. Like that is a material, the the only material bridge we have between us is my ability to speak their language. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's really hard, and sometimes that's really stressful. But what is the best thing that I could bring to a friendship? It'd be my my love and my time, my effort, even when I'm not with that person to get mm-hmm. to know their history and their culture and, and who they are in this very unique way. Um, and same with, you know, other, other language learning nerd friends is, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> what are we going to talk about if it's not, you know, some new app or some conference we're all looking forward to, or some mm-hmm. new podcast episode, like those things are, I want to listen to some podcast somebody recommended yeah. to me and then talk to them later. So, so yeah. Great. All right, we uh, talked about a proud moment, but do you have a different proud polyglot moment that you would like to share? Um, Yes, I think my proudest polyglot moment, oh, there's a couple (laughs) and they're all really special. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I would say my proudest, oh, oh, this is a good one. So I love Catalan, I love Catalan. I was around in Mexico. I was around Catalan speakers. It just got me really curious about the language. I started studying it on my own independently. It was the same thing. I was like, I'm going to surprise these people. And because of migration and changes and all of that, uh, I didn't ever really get to speak Catalan in that environment. And so I was out in a bar before COVID. I was at a bar many months later. I was like maybe seven months into Catalan. And, you know, I already spoke French and Spanish. So it was in the B's solidly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm at this bar, you know, you know, with a bunch of friends, whatever, I go to the bathroom, come back to this, this group. And there's, there's more people with my group of friends. And this like dude turns around in this middle of the bar. I've never seen this man in my life. <laughs> this dude turns around, just like looks at me. It's like, ah, parlas catala. I was like, you speak Catalan. I was like, what? He's like, who are you? What are you doing here? What is this? And he was a friend of a friend. Mm-hmm. He, you know, is introducing himself to people in this, in this friend group at this bar. Um, he says he's from Barcelona. One thing led to another. My friend's like, oh, she speaks Catalan. She's coming back in a second. Like, oh. uh, and it was my favorite polyglot moment was at that, that hangout because I had, it was Mexican friends. A Canadian friend was visiting me and just Quebecois. 
And mm-hmm. so she was, you know, some people wanted to speak their French with her and they were practicing their French with her. I was speaking Spanish with everybody else. Suddenly I'm speaking Catalan, his girlfriend's from Brazil, like trying my best with my Portuguese. It was just this like very cool, very magical multilingual moment that mm-hmm. caught me off guard it was so tiny and insignificant. And it was just a conversation with a person I did not know and still do not know mm-hmm. um, in a bar. Uh, but it was just a really great like I said before a way to connect with somebody in a very different way that I wouldn't have been able to do had I not spoken this person's language yeah no that's a wonderful example of how kind of all your languages came together in yes! this one bar yeah. so it, was my, it was the Canadian friend's birthday <laughs> so okay. it was a really really sweet uh sweet evening that we both had you just needed your bapcha there and then <laughs> I know that well do you know this is of course way before then if my bapcha had been there I would have been uh uh bawagan <laughs> but, right <laughs> it would have been a bit of a mess but but to have but, all your languages represented yeah 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 that's so great all right do you have a word or phrase in I don't know you have many languages to choose from but uh something that you would like to teach the listeners in one of the languages yes. or more <laughs> I'd say um one of my favorite phrases or my like idioms I don't really collect idioms I find them kind of corny in a lot of ways mm-hmm. but um one of my favorite I think probably my all-time favorite idiom is from Catalan mm-hmm. and also from Catalan this language that I never use in real life uh and the phrase is poca poc sompla la pica and it means like drop by drop little by little the kitchen sink will be filled mm-hmm. And that's how I feel about all of these big passion projects in my life, not just languages, but other things I want to build and learn. I love the idea of just a slowly dripping faucet, so insignificant, so tiny. It's the kitchen faucet. Yeah, it's so mundane. Yes, it's so mundane. And the kitchen sink is so big and it's, who cares? Who cares? It's just dripping in the background. But when you'll blink and suddenly the thing will be overflowing and Mm -hmm. that is definitely how I've felt with all of my languages. That's my my kind of calming motto whenever I'm like, oh, I've just been doing nothing but Polish for six months and I'm still in A2. This is never gonna happen. Why is this language so cursed? Like, what is yeah. this? And I'm like, no, no, no. Every day, a few new words, every yeah. week, a little bit more, like, poc a poc, son pla la pica, and mm-hmm. it'll come together. Yeah, like the French, petit à petit, le oiseau fait son nid. Mm-hmm. I always think of that one in French, but the the book, one of the Polish books, Krok po Kroku, yes. step by step, is that mm-hmm. same idea, right? Like you got That's my favorite Polish book too. <laughs> That's it. That's a great. I've never Polish used book. that one. I was looking uh, at the resources it, you were citing, and it's if anybody's learning Polish and you want a good Polish book, it's the best. I bought all of them, and it's, I can firmly say it's the best Polish book on the market mm-hmm. by far. Yeah, the one that you said was good for classroom we had used in France. So I did a year of Polish when I was uh, living there. And yeah, we only used it in the classroom and I have it on my bookshelf and I've never, I think I went back to it like a few days and then it's been years. I haven't opened it. Yeah, what I like about Krokpu Krokpu, again, if anybody's listening to considering learning Polish Mm -hmm. is that it's really immersive. There's like an ongoing story. There's ongoing characters. There's a lot of listening and reading, a lot of listening and reading. Um, and a separate workbook, which is just drills, which I also love. So big fan. Awesome. Well, that's a great recommendation. Thank you so much for taking all this time to tell us about your language journey and all the things that you're, you're up to and doing. And it's just, it's been really great to hear all this. Well, thank you for having me. This was, it was fun, uh, 
chatting about all this. It's been really fun connecting. Yeah. Well, I wish you all the best with uh, all the languages, but especially with Polish, because <laughs> as you know, it's near and dear to my heart <laughs> Yep. and near and dear to your family. So I think that's, it's really cool that you've decided to relearn it. And yes, it can be challenging and we laugh about that sometimes, but you know, it's worth it. Yeah. <laughs> Anything that's worth it is going to be hard, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much, Marissa. So that's the end of my conversation with Marissa, but I've put links to her YouTube channel, her website, and her Instagram handle in the show notes so you can easily find her. I really suggest going to look at that YouTube video when she spoke to her grandma for the first time in Polish in 20 years. It's really amazing and touching. I also highly suggest checking out her website. She's got resources for French, Spanish, Portuguese, Catalan, and Polish. And she takes all this research and condenses it into these really simple lists that are really easy to understand. So, for example, she has lists on the best podcasts to listen to in a certain language, uh, YouTubers you should follow, music that's good to listen to, and she divides it up by, you know, easiest, medium, hard. She puts it in the levels like the A1, A2. Um, she's got even a video, um, a list about French videos to learn French through yoga, which is amazing. So she's got these amazing resources on there. So go check her out. If you like this podcast and this episode, please share it with a friend, share it on your social media, make sure to tag me so I can give you some love back. And uh, as always, a rating and review is the best gift that you can give me. So don't hesitate. Take a few minutes and do that if you've been enjoying this podcast. And we want to wish everybody a great week. And until next time, thank you. Bye-bye.